This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Dojo Live. This is Tulio Sergusa broadcasting from Southern California, joined today by my co-hosts, Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, and our guest, Joel Kunku, who is uh, broadcasting from New Hampshire. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, August 10th, 2021. So we're talking about learning today and new technologies for collaborative learning. But before we go into the topic today, which should be proven to be a really great conversation, let's get to know our guest a little bit. Joel, please introduce yourself to the audience. Hello, everyone. Uh, like mentioned, my name is Joel Kunku. I am the CEO of Ecotex. I uh, grew up here in the Northeast, uh, of, uh, right here in the Northeast, well, in the seacoast uh, in New England. And, you know, I'm really passionate about building technological products, especially those that impact learning and education. I'm a really big believer that education is a massive, uh, influential piece in the outcome of people's livelihood. Um, and certainly as a reflection to my current stage in life and all of the different uh, events that happened prior to allow me to be in this position. I'm extremely passionate about it and how we can build tools and resources to uh, lessen or remove the barrier of entry for students to take full advantage of their educational career. So that's a little about myself. All right. Well, it's great to always hear from entrepreneurs who have found their calling. So let's see what that looks like in Ecotext. Tell us a little bit about what Ecotex is about. Yeah, so Ecotex is a platform that enables collaborative learning between students and educators right within the margins of digital resources. And so our goal is to leverage social annotations with an aim of strengthening the comprehension and the competency of academic subjects wherever the classroom might be. Interesting. All right. So you guys curious to learn more? I'm certainly curious. Let's go right into it. Kim, please, let's introduce the show today. Yes, thank you. Thank you for being here, Joel, Carlos, Tulio. Today's show, uh, as Tulio mentioned already, is all about why collaborative learning is the future. And I think with COVID-19, the future is certainly now. So you're, you, what you chose to talk about today, Joel, is student-based learning, enabling the modern learner to own their academic journey, regardless of how or where the classroom might be, right? Particularly, I think, timely with COVID, most classrooms or a lot of classrooms around the world are actually out of our own homes. It doesn't look like that's going to be changing much in this upcoming academic school year. So COVID aside, why did you choose this topic today, Joel? Yeah, I think, I think, COVID was really an accelerator to what we're going to see is going to be the ultimate future. Um, and we've seen how education has been uh, really ferociously changing over the last several decades where students nowadays are making conscious decisions. Okay, should I pursue a four-year degree or perhaps I can go to a boot camp and uh, obtain the skills that I need within four months? Right. And so there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of pressure towards 
micro learning, social learning, and experiential learning. So how do I create a path as a student that's personalized for myself, that gets me to the skills that I want to achieve, and ultimately is effective and efficient and has context to my learning journey. And so that's why I believe really student-based learning is gonna be the future where we understand learning is not a linear process. There's a lot of different um, kind of influences that need to be taken into account. And today's world where everyone is so connected, um, the cultural piece of learning matters, right? And there's no reason why a student in Japan can join a classroom that's in that's in uh, that's in America, and right. So, how do we really create these relationships and strengthen it in a way that every student has the ability to master their education, uh, their educational journey at a pace um, with the results that matter the most to them? So that's really interesting. So, what I'm hearing or wondering, understanding also is sort of this ability to break away what might be at least in the United States this traditional educational path of you know, K through 12, and then right away, I'm supposed to go into undergrad and eventually master's. So is there, does eText offer the space also for that non-traditional space? Like if I wanted to do something uh, more hands-on, you know, mechanics or photography, or you, I don't know, culinary arts, something that isn't necessarily the university experience? Sure, so electronic books offer one stepping stone in that direction. Now, what we understand is that information information is abundant and it's always changing in how we access it. It's no different than education. Education itself has been always changing and also how we obtain it. And so what we're traditionally accustomed to, at least here in the States, is more of a time-based approach, right? So I'm going to spend X amount of years in K through 12 and go to middle school it rewards more on time and not necessarily on merit. And so if you fail a particular skill or don't pass a grade, you're asked to repeat it in its entirety. When maybe the reality is that you just maybe didn't have as much competency in a certain slice, a certain faction of the particular uh, skills that you needed to accomplish within that grade. And so with more competency-based education, we can be more agile. And so the key thing here is how do we incorporate, you know, if we're talking about computer science, how do we incorporate more hands-on activities to actually write code within the lessons plan? You know, if we're doing more technical aspects, how do we connect students to professionals or different activities that allows them to go more hands-on? So ebooks is one stepping stone, but there's an entire plethora of different utilities and the key thing here is that it's going to be more of a merit-based approach than necessarily a time-based uh, progression. Uh, Joel, I have a question. How do you uh, curate all the content that is produced or, or submitted? How does it work, the curation process work? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that part. Yeah, so Ecotext, we don't focus too much on curating the content, but rather connecting uh, the content that has already been curated to curriculum oh. and rubrics themselves. Okay. And so that's our beauty of competency-based education is that it unlocks a whole avenue of pedagogy, where now as the instructor, I have to take into account not only what I'm teaching, but also the context in which it's best delivered to the students or to the class cohort. 
Okay, thank you. So, Joel, this is sort of cracking open a uh, major problem with the educational system today, right? It was really established during the Industrial Revolution where learning repetition was critically important for manufacturing purposes. But with knowledge workers and the evolution and explosion of knowledge, we're still testing people based on their ability to remember and repeat. So in essence, I'm, what I've heard from you is, you know, it's unfair that someone might fail a test, for example, because they don't have a particular area that they didn't memorize very well. But in practice, they might be excellent at it, right? We face this every time when sometimes software engineers get tested and their skills, they fail, but they're awesome engineers. So how does that happen? Because sometimes tests just don't prove the, the reality. So I want to just go back a second in the conversation about student learning and ask you, where has this sort of been borrowed from that's working? Because I'm always curious to find out what was the thing that you decided, hey, let's digitize this. Is there an example of where this, this model has worked so far? That Did you guys borrow from that or is this completely new? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so there's a lot of different, um, let's say, places of inspiration. Now, competency-based education is not anything necessarily new. Right, that has been around for centuries, and there's a lot of uh, research, a lot of philosophies that are kind of based in competency-based uh, education. But what has been clear is that within the last several decades, we've now given students different opportunities to learn specific skills. And so, when you look at kind of a whole industry of MOOCs, so massively uh, online courses such as Udacity um, or Coursera where I can go on as a student, as an individual and control my learning journey, right? And so I can take a, a class from Stanford, from MIT, fill in the blank, and I can complete it in four months and get a certificate, or if it takes me four years and get a certificate, but it's all based on my reality and I can leverage the professors as, as I wish, right? And so there's a lot of kind of instances in where, um, collaborative learning or different uh, kind of um, approaches to learning exist, but we want to bring in more mainstream and connect it to and really create a bridge with the traditional aspects of learning today and bridge it more to collaborative learning. So let's see if I heard this correctly. Today it's predominantly for adult continuous learning, whether they're pursuing a certificate or uh, some kind of a additional learning module, what have you. But the end goal is to make this more mainstream with the university's students. Please tell us your thoughts around that and your plans around that. Yeah, we think actually this this has a greater emphasis right in the K through 12 space. Um, and we noticed because if you look at the patterns within university today, 66% of students are taking remedial courses, which means when they're going to university, they're not actually as well prepared as we believe they are. And even a testament to myself, I'll go to my engineering courses, go for an entire lecture and still go on YouTube to supplement uh, kind of the ideas or to supplement the lecture that I had. And so we believe actually bringing this earlier where not only are we bringing different dynamic resources to students, but we're actually helping them be stronger critical thinking learners because they have to evaluate the source, they have to evaluate the content and make stronger connections and associations in the classroom. So we believe actually this is most equipped within the K-12 space. 
I think that makes perfect sense. I obviously throughout this past year, I've had to do a lot of um, schooling. I've been a teacher <laughs> to my nine-year-old daughter. And I, one of these gaps, and I mean, she's only nine and whew, for me, that's a bit of a relief. But when it came to the tasks for her, like I noticed that, you know, geography or history or some of the science, which was, you know, read this and summarize or tell this story in your own words. And she really, really struggled with this, right? Um, if it's, and what, what was the year that blah, 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 I can say that, but why did Cortez come to the, the Americas? Uh, why? Um, so what are these types of activities or what can we do um, both on your platform or anything to help increase you know, this, this element of critical thinking, perhaps that reading comprehension? Uh, what else are these core skills and what can we do to, to strengthen that? Yes, so on Ecotext, we really take the approach in emphasizing our social annotations to help kind of bridge those connections. And so what I mean by that is when you're on Ecotext, you're able to highlight or create a note which has context of the text of whatever uh, resource that you, you're, you're leveraging. And then you can customize who has visibility to the annotation that you're creating. So hey, maybe this is just within my class, maybe this is a private note for myself or I wanna put it publicly. But even what's more powerful is that you can attach external resources. And so what we've seen users do is that they're able to create a note and then pair it with a video. And so now they're kind of bridging relationships or bridging uh, external resources and contextualizing it with what they see in the textbook. And so just that whole idea of bridging theory to real life and so, Sure, I'm reading in the history book what these uh, significant leaders have done, but now I've pulled that YouTube video to connect it to mm -hmm. why they've done it. It's like a personalized yeah. Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, and, and over time, it's, it's a digital footprint, right? It's a digital footprint of these different interactions, and it's almost an information hub and an educational information hub. I like the idea of collaborating no matter where the student is right it doesn't have to be someone who's in my classroom or even in my own town it could be someone somewhere else i love that idea now when it comes to k through 12 is how, what's your thought process in gamifying learning right these these kids are used to things like roblox where they're already collaborative playing right so is that what you're borrowing from the mindset of collaborative playing into introducing collaborative education What's the path to success in that segment, according to what you guys have discovered so far? Yeah, we rely heavily on really understanding the instructor and their teaching methods. And so you, Ecotext is in a sense a tool, right? We provide these different utilities and we allow the teacher to leverage, you know, to emphasize certain aspects of the product or not as much so they can really maximize their teaching habits. So for some cases, we'll have teachers that will go in and they'll say, hey, we want to leverage Ecotext as just kind of a discussion board where we're talking about philosophical topics and I want students to respond and, and have more expressions. For other teachers, perhaps they'll do it more as a submission base. So, hey, I want you to actually uh, put scientific or put citations around particular scientific research and actually highlight and demonstrate such. And so we actually put the last leg on, on, the, on the educator because we understand 
they know what's best for the cohort, right? They can carry it, they can curate it to maximize the benefit for a cohort. And our job is to understand like, hey, for competency-based learning, we know that every student's a little different. And so in some cases, uh, you know, uh, a part of the cohort is gonna be excellent with quizzes and, and tests, but hey, maybe if some are more uh, lenient and expressive to polls, you can leverage that utility. Right. Maybe some uh, students are going to be really expressive and come to you for help. But if that's not the case, maybe they're more quiet. You can use Ecotax to actually tag them directly or to mention them. And so we actually really put that onus with the educators because we believe that's the best fit. It's got to be, in a sense, contextualized to the cohort um, that is leveraging the product. Joe, I know that um, just based on reading off of your blog, I know that Ecotax has a commitment, right? A commitment to strive to use education as a tool to spread awareness, empathy, and compassion. So um, in that regard, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to ask you where this uh, approach towards empathy, compassion, awareness, and all these great uh, skills, soft skills, if you will, where where do you where would you say that has been? Uh, I'm trying to word my thoughts. Okay, let's re, let me rephrase them. What space in what industries or what types of companies have been more receptive to your approach to achieving uh, awareness, empathy, and compassion? Is there something that some types of uh, spaces that have been more receptive to others or? maybe technology companies or brick and mortar. So I'm, I'm interested in that particular aspect of Ecotext. Sure, you know, when I kind of think about that, I go back to some of our partners. So we've partnered with uh, Merlot, OpenStax and, and Skill Commons. So these are other repository, repositories of content. So they host uh, textbooks and they're giving their library for free right they do a lot of different supports for universities to help them uh you know scale their classroom so it's more open educational friendly um and so we really love uh partners like them because their focus and their drive is to making sure they're removing barriers to education right and that was really our number one focus at ecotext when we first started is that we first looked at books and we saw the price tag associated with collegiate books. And we we're like, wow, like paying four or $500 for a textbook is crazy. And only 30% of students actually go ahead and, and do that. So what does that mean? If you don't have the resource you need to, to succeed in the classroom, you're gonna be uh, more susceptible to underperform, right? And so while we started Ecotext from a lens of affordability, we noticed that we can provide so much more impact also in how people can grow their competency, right? And so while it starts with affordability, it certainly doesn't end there. And so we appreciate and we focus on partnering, partnering with companies and nonprofits that have that same sentiment. How can we remove barriers of education, whether it's from an affordability standpoint, whether it's from a connectivity standpoint, whether it's from an accessibility standpoint, these are all different dimensions that impact education and that can impact the outcome of a particular student. That's beautiful. Right. Thank you. I Joe. love how you you as a company are beginning to overcome a lot of these obstacles that are in the way, accessibility, affordability. Coming back to the crux of this, now that we can afford it, now that we have access to it, 
going back to critical thinking and this term that has been coined over the last few years of of fake news, right? I remember when we're kids, maybe I'm aging myself, uh, certainly Tulio and Carlos went to the actual physical library. <laughs> yes. Well, we all remember yeah. like card catalogs and, yes. you know, you have to do the bibliography at the end of your paper and where did you get, you know, your supporting evidence and et cetera, et cetera. And today, a lot of this is, I, I feel, more convoluted. Everything's coming from online. How are you approaching this problem of authenticating or even teaching people how to be critical thinkers to realize where their the news is is coming from is that something that you've seen increase and have to combat over you know recent times so it certainly is a challenging one and there's no straightforward answer um but where we kind of put our faith in is as a community we can help uh, direct this idea of strengthening the qualitative contributions on the platform and also making sure that when we are making relationships, it's authentic, right? And so with our core technology and ecotech of social annotations, we really want users, to, we really are inviting users to, you know, provide external resources and also determine who has visibility to the particular annotation after contributing. And what we do understand is that when you are able to kind of have the confidence to publish an annotation in a community, that is inherently gonna have some level of back and forth discourse or, or even um, really those that are going to second or third year annotation. And we really believe if we look at other platforms, just like, oh, you know, uh, 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 Stack Overflow, for an example, that's kind of a more kind of computer science example. But, you know, people are asking questions in the community as a whole, 80% of the time is delivering the right response. And so if we trust our community and understand, hey, we're all here with a purpose and a mission to really increase the quality of education, we believe mm -hmm. in the long term, it's always going to win out. And I think that's really amazing that that healthy representation of the ability to push back right whether respectfully but like you know what i don't agree i don't think that's correct because check out this information or you know what or, or the ability to say i was wrong thank you for clarifying that to me mm -hmm. i think those are going back to carlos point with soft skills skills that are very necessary for us to learn and maintain um oh, yeah. in childhood and throughout life <laughs> certainly I certainly like the not only the collaborative nature, but you're really democratizing learning with this. You're breaking the walls down. People can get access to information and to people without any barriers, which is ultimately, you know, some of us learn through peer conversations. Some of us learn better through reading text. But um, it sounds as though you've created an environment where whatever pace, whatever scenario works for you, you have access to it because you have access to a number of people that can provide that like it. Go ahead, Carlos. I think you have a question. No, well, I was uh, just mentioning the fact that about the cultural aspect of Ecotex and uh, Joel, as we approach the final segment of today's conversation, I wouldn't want to end my participation without asking you specifically about Eco, the company culture that you foster, that you nurture at Ecotex. And the reason being is because 
Um, there might be viewers out there who could be watching and might eventually come work for you at some point, you know? So if so, in, to, what would you say to these people, to these folks who might be interested in being part of Ecotext in terms of what's important for you as a company, as what it, or how would you define a great culture that might reel in just top talent? Certainly, certainly. Uh, you know, very similar to our platform and how we emphasize collaboration, we are no different internally as a company and as a team. We really emphasize this idea of collaboration and always speaking up and speaking out if you have an idea, right? We, you know, no rock goes unturned and this idea of making sure, hey, you know, let's reward um, individuals and let's reward thoughts that are challenging and that are innovative um, because that's really in in the 21st century how you're going to lead markets is that you have to be bold you have to be innovative and you have to be willing to take risks and so we really incentivize that same attitude within our company um, and you know from the executive suite all the way down to our interns uh, really encouraging them to have ideas, have critical feedback, uh, and collaborate. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate it so much. Okay, back to you guys. Uh, let, let's shift a little bit in your journey, Joel. What what's it been like building this business for you, and and essentially disrupting uh, the way people collaborate to learn? Uh, what's the journey been like for you personally? It's, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm even kind of uh, a, a loss of words to, to describe, but it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, as we, we talk to educators almost every week, right? Trying to understand, hey, what's your classroom dynamic? What's the problems you're solving? Uh, what's, you know, the blockers or what are you been trying to understand? And what we've come to know is that education is so vast every classroom is just a little different every school has their strategic mission or values that can be slightly a little different and so our goal is how can we become the common denominator in in such a way that if you are an innovative school you can excel and propel with ecotex and so it's really just been a massive learning opportunity for me um, it's also been a humbling experience uh, because we've been able to travel across the nation and talk to educators that we would not have been able to connect with in you know, probably a, in a different lifetime. Um, and so they've been really, uh, really great about sharing their livelihood and sharing their motivations, which only inspires us. Um, and so for me, I, I'm just really appreciative to be in this role as entrepreneur. Um, and with the partners that we've got as well, we really believe that, you know, we can have a massive impact on what, how we kind of look at, you know, collaborative learning and within, you know, several years, this can be really the norm. Um, and, and our ability to, to shape that future is incredibly humbling. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but- No, it, thanks for sharing. That's fantastic. Thanks really, for sharing really. that with us. I love it. And it makes perfect sense. If you're, I love that you're rooted in the actual collaboration with the educators, right? It makes, you must, if that's your platform, collaboration. And um, you need to actually be in touch with the people who are in the trenches. I think that's something that's been missing from our educational system from the 
top down for a really long time. Um, so thank you for kind of turning this on its head. I love it. Yeah, Joel, uh, it's been a pleasure having you as our guest. Thanks for enlightening us with this new technology and platform. We wish you a lot of success. We'll definitely stay in touch with you to see how things progress. Maybe love to have you back in the future, share some use cases with us with the progress you make. Just stay with us as we go off the air in a minute. Carlos, what do we got coming up the rest of the week? Well, we only have one show left, Tulio, tomorrow, and that will be with Govind Rangasamy, the founder and CEO of AppApranix.com, which is a platform that delivers app-centric cloud resources. And we don't have the topic yet, so but it should be as interesting as all of our Dojo Live interviews and conversations. And this will happen tomorrow right here at 12 p.m. Pacific. So join us tomorrow 12 p.m pacific on dojo live and stay 12 safe, or 12 30 i thought we were doing it a little later tomorrow oh no that's sorry i'm yes I i'm sorry well. <laughs> yeah 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 i apologize i'm just used to the 12 o'clock thing only just just for this occasion we're uh, doing a 12 30 show so folks stay tuned at 12 30 tomorrow right here on dojo live and stay safe everyone See and of you course soon. and of course thanks to our guests thank you Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.